You're listening to Draft Chaff. Coming up this week. If it's non-draftable, it's non-buyable. <laughs> I hope there's like a bunnies deck, and I hope it's like tier one. But 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 Ben, Watsy only puts out four sets a year. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Giraffe Chap. This is episode number 185. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Man, I feel like I haven't talked to you since last year. It's been so long. <laughs> it has been. I, it's too I late thought, for this. <laughs> I thought maybe we weren't going we weren't gonna to be those people. We're those people. <laughs> we, we are 100% those people, unfortunately. Uh, today... My girlfriend got mad at me because I kept using, you know, when someone says like, oh, um, oh, uh, oh, we should do this together. And then you say together. I hardly know her. Oh, <laughs> like, my gosh. I think I made 10 plus of those types of jokes like blank her. I hardly know her in the span of 10 minutes. And the friends we were with thought it was awesome. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> <laughs> She she loved oh, it in, a, in, a, in an eye roll way, but uh, by joke eight or nine, it was getting it's getting bad. Yeah, well, this episode this week we are talking basically just our recap of twenty twenty three. So we're gonna go through all of more or less what happened in in Magic, as well as just kind of our thoughts on uh, the different sets that came out throughout the year, the different areas of the game that we enjoyed or disliked as well as how the show evolved, different changes that have happened for the show as well throughout 2023. Before we do all that, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not already in the Discord, do check it out. It's the best place to be to chat all things MTG. Come say hi to us. Uh, post your trophies. We love to see those different uh, trophy decks in that channel, as well as chat about your picks. If you need help trying to put different sealed decks together, things like that, people are always in there willing to help. So the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge, huge thanks to each and every one of our patrons who continue to support us every week. We really appreciate you all. Perks over there include things like our Draft Chaff Hero stickers, our Draft Chaff Cube drafts, which we're trying to get off the ground, as well as um, you know show notes, pre-show recordings, various things like that. You can check out all the details over on Patreon. And of course, all the funding there is going to help bolster the show whether that's extra content or you know boosting the the rewards for the bounty boards things like that so you can check that out patreon.com forward slash draft pod now last week we totally didn't forget to announce the winner <laughs> of the holiday mailbag arena code drawings so we're gonna hmm. do that now because we didn't forget and we totally intended it to be this episode the entire time yep this was the goal uh if you're watching, you can see our beautiful <laughs> wheel clicky spinner. Uh, and you can see that this is not rigged. Uh, our first winner of three arena codes is Ratafia. <laughs> All right. I'm Congrats. sending you some three codes. All right. Let's remove and uh, spin again. Is that clicking sound coming through? I hope it is in the recording. That's a very nice clicking sound. Uh, is it stopping? Sorry, Sergeant. Wolf of Venice. Three codes coming your way. A. And a third One spin. More. Here we go. Who is it? 
Mikey S, it looks like. Mikey S. Congratulations uh, to our winners. (laughs) Is that applause coming through too? I mean, I'm hearing it. I don't know if if it's picked up on the recording. Oh man, I hope it shows up in the recording. Uh, All right, well, now we have our winners. Uh, By the way, as far as... uh, By the way, uh, thanks again for all of our patrons. Excited for those pins to go out. And uh, just in case, on the off chance that this episode is coming out later than usual, one thing that we really love for our Patreon funds to go towards is an editor. Zach has done all the editing forever, and uh, that's a pretty big time sink. So uh, there's a a chance that, you know, this episode was a a little later than usual. If so, you know, it's the holidays. We've been traveling, doing stuff like that. So uh, Zach's a busy guy. It's hard to... (laughs) Are hard to pin down, you know. Uh, if this episode did come out in time, I assume Zach, with the magic of editing, has removed me saying this, and uh, I guess you never would have heard it in the first place. So, <laughs> uh, we really appreciate all of our patrons, and uh, I think it's important that they they kind of hear why, you know, why we have a Patreon, why we, you know, <laughs> why why we do this. Um, I, I do think that hiring an editor is is one of our goals for 2024. Yep. Nothing to have there. <laughs> Let's go on to our crack draft type thing. This is a variation of the crack draft type thing. Ben, what are we doing this week? Well, we're actually segueing right into the main topic. Forget crack a draft type thing. How about crack a format type thing? Uh, uh, well, but but Ben, Watsy only puts out four four sets a year. Like that's not enough to draft with. Oh, you would think. What if I told you there were actually. 12 13 i can't count 13 set releases this year of various types and, and flavors uh four main ones yes but you know i don't even think this is counting secret layers <laughs> god knows how many of those there were yeah no we didn't count those but there i believe it was 12 sets that came out this year which is absolutely absurd yep so yep. let's let's roll through them then. So first in January, right, we had Dominary Remastered. I think that was one that pretty much everybody was excited for. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. I played an RCQ that was Dom Remastered. It didn't, didn't do super well, got flattened, but it was a fun time. Uh, I liked it. There, there was some other things with Dom Remastered as well, some high-value reprints, some, some things that mm-hmm. were enjoyable and maybe solid for a... a reprint set that were more skewed towards commander players uh overall this one i couldn't really say too much about it now i don't remember much about the draft environment i think this one is is off the radar at this point yeah but i do remember that i enjoyed it more than the next one which was phyrexia all will be one probably the most infamous set of the year the the worst set dare i say yeah as one of our mainline sets, this one probably gets like a 2 out of 10 for me. This one was just abysmal. Remember, it was like red-green oil was the best thing to do, but you didn't even really care about, like, oil. <laughs> you just played, yeah. like, good red and green cards. It was really just red-green uh, beats, and just sometimes yeah. you get slimy. <laughs> just miserable stuff with, like, Infect and, and all that stuff. And it was it was all Phyrexian-themed, which, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. There were some cool Praetors and things, and... Dominus. Whatever happened to Dominuses? Did we ever figure out if they're gods or like Praetor gods? Know, or all right, doesn't God, matter. Frexy All Be One definitely the set we enjoyed least this year, and uh, definitely the one that if it ever comes back on flashback, you could not pay me to touch. They actually kind of spoiled it in the name, right? They called it All Will Be One. They were telling us it was going to be a one out of ten. They told us <laughs> right away. 
Uh, with that, I, I don't. I demote my rating to a one out of ten. So, sand- this, uh, so that was sandwiched in between two pretty decent sets. We had the Dom remastered. We had all of the one, and then we had Shadows Over Innistrad remastered, which came out on, on Arena. Did that get a paper release? I don't think it did. Yeah, no, that that was Arena only. That one did add some pretty cool stuff to Arena. It also added uh, this whole rotating uh, slot section, which I guess they were kind of, again, testing more towards the, the play booster side of things, but now also testing it all online with like a, a rotating catalog of cards that could go in or, or be taken out from a digital draft set, which I think was a huge success. It kept the format fresh every single week that you played it. Uh, and, and it made sure that, you know, even if you were getting to know the format pretty well, you would still have to adjust on the fly when next week there were totally new cards involved. And they picked some really good ones, too. Innistrad is just a beloved set. They're doing cards like Flashback Spells, uh, Lingering Souls, and Unburial Rites. Yeah, I just named a bunch of Orzhov cards. Those, those are, <laughs> I like those. Uh, but, you know, uh, other stuff like Spider Spawning is always a good time. Uh, plus, it was just a good draft environment, as was. They haven't had an, uh, an Arena Open in that set. So very cool stuff. Very glad that they did that and it was a big success. And I, I do hope for other remastered sets, they follow a very similar approach. This one, I think, worked out because it was Innistrad and there were a lot of things to choose from and also a lot of things to kind of skip. So maybe this was their test. But if they did something like this with Lara, for example, or maybe even older, uh, I'd be pretty stoked to see that. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of like um, Legends of Runeterra's draft format in that hmm. There, that doesn't have what we would consider draft. It's a very different thing. But instead of drafting like a single card from a pack of fifteen cards, you would draft packets of cards. So you'd be presented with three different cards, three sets of three cards, and you would pick the set that you wanted to add to your deck. Hmm. Um, and while they were doing this more with the set itself rather than your picks, it was kind of cool to see those little Lego pieces that they could pull in and out and yeah, uh, change up the format how they saw fit with those and like you said ben they did a good job of picking which cards were part of those packets that they could bring in and out well then we got a banger (laughs) uh then we got maybe my favorite set from the year march of the machine Mm. uh in april on the on uh, the 21st so march of the machine was awesome i mean this thing had it all not to mention all the all the actual regular stuff that it had. It was just a good draftable set. But all the good supplemental stuff that it had, too. All the legends that it worked in. All the cool alternate arts. Uh, it brought companions into draft, which fixed with the right, you know, pay-free mana text. Companions are great for limited. I will say, I did a chaos draft a couple weeks ago. I mentioned it on the show last time, I think. Uh, and I wanted my pack one pick one to be a pack of mom. Because I was like, wait. What if I open like a Yorian or a Luris, and then my my chaos draft becomes so much better? Part of me just wondered if I should just do four packs of mob and then have a higher chance of getting a Yorian. Uh, really, really great set, cool draft environment. The color imbalance was a, a little rough. Uh, blue and black, really just invasion of Amonkhet and and Halo Forager kind of pushed the format in that direction. Blue was a really strong color, but other th- other things were still playable. It, you could get a really good like red white backup deck or red green counters deck they didn't come together that often but you could and they would occasionally work uh and when they worked they were pretty sick so uh really enjoyed march the machine also story wise this is a the the finale of the 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 whole phyrexian arc it was cool to see this big Mm -hmm. conclusion uh cool to see i guess elspeth come from the top rope and and just demolish elishnor and that was pretty cool uh wrapping up the whole invasion arc and, and kind of tying up some loose ends although actually 
I guess Aftermath was, was that. <laughs> Technically, that- but Aftermath wasn't like really a draftable set, and it was like a weird sort of pseudo-supplemental set. I mean, it, it, it kind of was its own release, but kind of wasn't, and yeah. it introduced some cool cards to Commander. Like, a bunch of the D-Spark Planeswalkers are kind of fun. Yeah. And story that, beats yeah. were, were good, I guess, but I mostly glossed over Aftermath. Like, I kind of forgot that it happened outside of, yeah, the, the few cards that I paid attention yeah. to for Commander. Every once in a while, I'll see a card when playing Standard and be like, what is this? I, I've literally never seen this card before. It's always Aftermath. It's always just an Aftermath card. I forgot why, Aftermath was Standard no? Legal. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, th- there's a couple good ones in it, the ones that have seen actual constructed play. There's a... Uh, there's a two, a three mana. It's two and a white for a two, three flying vigilance. It's an angel, maybe an angel cleric or something. It gives you hexproof and it says whenever this creature is dealt damage, you gain that much life, which is actually a really good sideboard card against mono red in standard. And I was like, wait a minute. Hmm. I can just play this card. I'm like, no one's touching this card right now, but mono red has a really tough time beating that. And they have to bolt it to get it out of the way with something like a, I don't know. Wolfstalker's Frenzy, deal five, gains you five life, and then they've wasted a spell. I mean, it's pretty good. And we've never drafted with these cards, so so a lot of limited players like us just aren't even familiar with these cards at all. Uh, so kind of cool for Constructed, but I still don't love the whole... I don't know, it's almost like a little master set, but but it's not even drafted, or, or a Horizon set, I guess, rather, where they insert cards into a format. Standard Horizons, is that... But Horizon sets are draftable. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it really just like wasn't a full set. It it was just like a half set yeah. that they put in random packs, which is fine. Why I think it's it an been... interesting. I don't know. I think it's fine. I, I kind of liken it to secret layers, to be honest with you. Like maybe not the product for us because we like to draft, but like it yeah, was fair. another way to release cards and not make some random contrived draft format or randomly throw cards into a set that they didn't belong into to like yeah, that okay. would end up messing up the draft format. Uh, overall, just talking about Martian Machine, very enjoyable, probably a 9 out of 10 in my book. And honestly, it was where they were testing out the whole play booster thing with all these weird slots for various cards and, and other stuff like that. So uh, just knowing that that was one of my favorite sets, if not my favorite set of the year, makes me feel pretty good about the new future of boosters going forward. Um, I don't know. Excited to keep drafting. Yeah. Them. So... We, I mean, we wrapped up, we talked March of the Machine, we talked Aftermath. That brings us to early summer with Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle Earth. That was kind of the first Universes Beyond set that we got that was like a full set as opposed to just like supplemental, maybe Commander product or, or something, a secret layer or something like that. And it was a full set. It was draftable. I thought they did a great job with it overall. It felt like Lord of the Rings and less mm-hmm. like magic, which I thought was good. I think that probably from a flavor perspective and the way they actually designed the cards, I feel like they married the two quite well. Married, and, oh gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, my brain went to like Aragorn and um, Oh yeah, Ar- Aragorn and Arwen. That, that counts yeah. too, I guess. But, uh, but in any case, uh, pretty solid format if you ignore blue-green and just pretend it didn't exist. <laughs> I and still defend that Scry deck. I love that <laughs> deck so much. Sure, LSV had the best possible version at the Pro Tour and still went one and two with it or something. But <laughs> yeah. 
He had bad matchups. We we all saw the tapes. Um, no, the, yeah, the but set that was awesome. only has bad matchups. <laughs> but it's so fun. And in like an average, okay, I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I love that Elrond and that Arwen. Anyway, I, I would still draft that that deck when it op- when it's open. Uh, yeah, no, this, this is a really enjoyable set. Played an awful lot of it on Arena. It has some questionable implications, and I'm kind of forced to eat my words on this one because. Yeah, cards like Orcish Bowmasters and Troll of Casa Doom and the One Ring even are now modern staples. Like these are not going mm-hmm. anywhere. They see play in everything. And it's Lord of the Rings. It's basically fantasy genre stuff. But what if they did this with like isn't the next one coming up Final Fantasy? In mm, next year, the year I after it was something? Fallout. I'm not sure if that was a full Fallout, release. not a full set. Maybe it is Final Fantasy. I know Final Fantasy, they are doing a full release. And I I have zero interest in Final Fantasy. Uh, more power to those who do. But like, I don't know. Do I want random things that I don't understand flavor-wise like in, in my modern sets? I'm sure some people feel bad about Orcish Bowmasters, but at the same time, orcs could exist in magic. Trolls could exist in magic. The One Ring. Well, okay, maybe that's... I mean, it's still high fantasy. But Final, yeah, but Final fantasy, fantasy also is high fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay. I, Literally I guess fantasy I'm fantasy that, that it does have It's just an IP you're not familiar with. So I think that's the like is the line supposed to be drawn where we just don't do this at all or we're just okay with sometimes getting ones that I like and sometimes getting ones that I don't. I want them to only put in the things that I like. I don't think anyone <laughs> else should get their things. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be implemented well. I'm sure I'll draft the set. Maybe I'll even pick up a Final Fantasy game. But there's like 15 of them, aren't they? <laughs> like, yeah, but like, four, I think 14 is the only one that's like really worth playing. I can't remember. <laughs> Don't at me if that's not right. But Oh, man. You may, you may have obsessed with people on the internet by, by saying that. Uh, there's an MMO one that is generally quite well received, and that's the one I'm talking about. I think it's 14. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess eventually down the line, we might get even wackier ones. But, you know, there's only so many IPs they can really do this with. Maybe... They'll, they'll kind of burn this out and go back to just making magic stuff. As long as they continue to not sacrifice the quality of, you know, bread and butter, magic, dominaria lore, some planeswalkers, some cool, I don't know, where's Garrick? <laughs> like, as, as long as they don't sacrifice the, uh, the stuff that all the magic players know and love about magic IP and lore, uh, I think it's totally fine if they keep putting resources into this as well, because this one was really well done. A lot of the cards, I know friends that have nothing, no interest in magic at all, that went out and like bought some packs of Lord of the Rings because they heard, oh, I can win a billion dollars if I open this one ring card. That sounds kind of cool. The one ring, I think, is worth a mention in and of itself. The whole implementation of opening a, opening a one ring. Awesome. Absolutely love that they did that. I hope they do it again. Uh, is it going to make a bunch of people buy packs? Yeah, I mean, which will also drive down the prices of a lot of the chase cards from it, but that that's a whole other thing. Uh, Orcish Bowmasters is still like $60 or whatever. I don't even know what the One Ring is. I don't want to check. Uh, but the, the whole way that they actually created this frenzy around finding the One Ring and everything with Post Malone and people bidding $1,000 and then $100,000, it, it was just a really fun experience and kind of took over the internet. Like, there were people who knew that we were into magic, I, I know this happened to me at least, who would be like, so uh, can you explain what's happening with <laughs> the One Ring? Mm-hmm. Did you get that too? Yeah, I had a few people bring it up. 
Yeah. Uh, cool experience. Hope they do something like it again. I'm not just saying that because I opened one of those soul rings with the <laughs> the cool Elvish text on it. That thing I'm, uh, I, I love a lot. Probably the coolest thing in my collection. Anyway, I, I would give this one, I know it's not one of the main set releases, but as far as like a draft environment and overall experience, this one was probably like an 8 out of 10. Solid a little bit by the fact that blue and black and red were just so much yeah, better. This was very, yeah, very good. Yeah, uh, especially black just being so ridiculously better than, <laughs> than everything else. We were supposed to take like, what was it, claim the precious over basically every rare in the format except like the the Lich King of Angmar or Witch King of Angmar. Um, Lich King, I've watched too much Adventure Time, I'm mixing it up. Uh, anyway, probably like an 8 out of 10 overall format for me. So from there we went to Commander Masters. And yeah. that was Good another set. summer release. I don't really remember it too well, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I like the first one. I like when they do these commander style sets. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Baldur's Gate, but that was just, mm-hmm. I think, just more of a timing thing than anything else. Yeah, but this was this was fun. I thought it was fine. I did a bunch Some of commander really good Masters reprints. Drafts. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I think of Commander Masters, the first thing that comes to my head is those really evocative full arts where it's kind of like the, the character's head and then like the plain color in the background. Mm. Some of these secret layers, I love when they let artists go nuts, but some of them are getting a little hard to read. And, and there is something to be said about gameplay pieces that are actually usable and, and interpretable to someone who's not familiar with the game. If you sit down across from someone who just cracked their first pre-con and you show them I don't know, uh, that that one Tom Bombadil where it's like impossible to read anything. It looks gorgeous. It's really cool. And if you know what Tom mm-hmm. Bombadil does, it's like, whatever, who cares? But you do want to make sure that people don't have, you know, bad experiences can actually read what's happening on cards. Uh, I thought those were really simple. Not, not too simple, though. Very evocative of what the deck was about. I mean, it's your commander. Why not have a cool like side profile portrait of them? Yeah, see, uh, I wasn't even I wasn't actually a fan of those. So oh, it's just oh, interesting. <laughs> it's just interesting to hear like, yeah, not 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 my thing, but it's your thing. And that's cool. I think it, it's that's like half the fun of art in general. Mm-hmm. I did a in one of the Commander Masters pools, I, I did open Morifon the Boundless. And I, I think I named Dragon with it. Usually I played like a five color soup deck in uh, one of my other ones where I, I did win the pod. I was playing, oh man, a zombie lady of scrolls partnered with Safara Skies Blade. And it was like a blue white flyers storm deck, kind of. I had like the uh, the blue emerald, like emerald, whatever. Oh no, what is this called? Emerald medallion, maybe? The blue hmm. medallion that makes your blue spells cost less. Uh, and then that I had like Frantic Sapphire. Search. Yeah, Sapphire medallion, that's right. Uh, I had like frantic search and multiple copies of path to exile and a bunch of ways to make wizards to tap with a zombie. I took so many game actions <laughs> compared to the rest of the table. Uh, it was a great time. And uh, I'll look back on, on that as, as a highlight of the set for me. I, I do remember it being a bit expensive to actually play. And mm-hmm. by the time it all shook out it not actually being super profitable, uh, those types of things, it's good that they only come around so often because you know, if you're not actually making your money back from those types of high value reprint sets with premium pricing, it gets a little iffy. Yeah, I mean, it adds to the frustration that Watsi even prices the products at that 
level like they're the same cardboard they're the same printing yeah. process you know whatever i'm not going to bother getting on the soapbox here mm-hmm. that said it was a fun environment it did have some pretty awesome chase kind of reprints and if you got in if you got to them early and sold them off early which i did i was able to do like i actually was able to make my entry fee plus on on the one in-person draft i did of that and it was fun i thought you know it's kind of the best of both worlds for for people like us ben like we love to draft we love commander put them together how do you have a bad time so um yeah i think they they did a good job with that one and they had made some rules adjustments with this one that weren't in the first one that i thought was good in terms of like how you could partner cards and all that kind of stuff like all the monocolored legends could be partnered together and yeah i thought it was fun after that was whoa 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 i don't know this set just it didn't click with me for some reason something about the mechanics something about blue white tapping being a total whiff unless you had exactly hilda and even when you had hilda it sometimes whiffed i don't know this one was a bit of a mess um everything with with bargain and the the rolls in hindsight rolls is a a really bad limited mechanic i mean imagine you sit down for your first draft uh ever and it happens to be whoa and you're like wait i need to know how many additional like lines on cardboard to understand what this format is about uh because mm-hmm. if you don't know what all the roles do you are behind like you are missing some key format knowledge and similar to how that makes stuff like uh initiative and the dungeons a little bit annoying to play in person and actually deal with uh, i think that was a big knock against this format too plus those decks didn't even work like the bar like the rolls deck was bad <laughs> yeah the black white rolls was like just awful um it was also funny i mean to echo your comment about like rolls adding extra kind of rules text and different things like for our pre-release the judge running the event told us the wrong rules about roles <laughs> and like the players at the event had to correct them so yeah. yeah when that kind of stuff is too easy to happen and sure maybe he was having a bad day just made a mistake understandable i get it but if that stuff is commonplace then yeah you, if, if it's too difficult for your professionals to like understand it mm-hmm. probably not great for new players um that said i appreciate when they try things i think we're getting to a point with magic where we've used too many words like we've used all the words the design space is pretty limited so unless you have like text like books worth of text on every card we've kind of done all the things like that i mean it circles back to kind of the joke of like everything is kicker yeah (laughs) but uh it does make me curious about the longevity of i won't say the longevity of the game but the longevity of the variations in the game and like Mm -hmm will new cards stop feeling new or we'll just get inundated with so much on a single card that it just won't be enjoyable to begin with i don't know um yeah i will say i've been sorting an awful lot of bulk for my club at school and in doing so i've been sorting an awful lot of old cards and looking at an awful lot of old cards and i'll look at these old draft uncommons from i don't know 15 20 years ago and they would easily slot into decks today, like into limited environments today. So on one hand, I'm inclined to agree with you that things have gotten more complicated than ever. But also, 
the old designs were also new at one point. I, I mean, they've been doing this well for so long. And I do think it's only in the past couple of years we've seen them maybe whiff on some of these high complexity level things, especially when they try to tie more into commander stuff like the dungeons and, and initiative and all that. Uh, anything involving, I guess, extra game knowledge, reading the card should explain the card, right? That, that's one of the fundamentals of magic. And that's one of the biggest pulls of why magic but I don't want to have to read a game. novel to play the yeah. game is my point like it, it's i'm not i'm less worried about the complexity pieces i'm more worried about the amount of text there is anymore like it's just getting a little frustrating to me personally yeah. that that every card has to have like a book's worth of text on it yeah i agree i, I like I give me like... my give me my four four flyer like that's it just <laughs> vanilla just yeah you know yeah i want i want fewer new legends and i want them to be worse uh, I, I think that's actually a part of it where we've seen a lot of sets. All these signpost uncommons are legends now just for off chance that someone, you know, wants that to be their commander or hire a commander applicability usually means that they have to be slightly more complicated and that they have to do more things. Think of some of the ones from this past set from, from LCI. Some of these like uncommon signpost legends, they have no business having <laughs> that many things. Uh, it does remind me, though, of some simple designs, like um, thinking Brothers War, the blue-white uh, signpost. The only text on it was, soldiers you control get plus one, plus one. It was a format of three, four. Simple, a lord. That's the type of good stuff we see in, in Limited these days. It does make me think they still know what they're doing. Even some rares. Um, what is it called? Like Fleetfoot Dancer or something like that from, uh, from Nuka Penna. It was one red, green, white. It was a four, four trample haste lifelink beautiful well that's i'm i so my mind immediately went back to adult gold dragon from yes yeah <laughs> from uh ventures in the forgotten realms three red white four three flying lifelink haste done move on next yeah like that's give me more of that kind of stuff i like these like keywords and maybe like one line of subtext i don't need the whole text box to be covered in text it's just I, not uh... fun I saw that there was actually a new record this year for the most Oracle text on a card. And that was Ashiok Wicked Manipulator. Uh, just yeah, there's there's a ton of text so, on that card, and I couldn't so tell much. you what it does. Uh, let me see. Something I can give you like exiling. a roundabout. I, right, like I can give you some kind of bits. I'm pretty sure there's a passive in there somewhere. You can pay life to... No, when you pay life, you exile that many cards from your life and that's just the passive that we don't know <laughs> forget the it's abilities just, it ticks down and make one ones and they grow and when and you're you the other thing too know. is it's like we're getting that and on top of getting that we had 12 sets come out this year yeah so it's like when every set has that much text on every card it's just it's just a lot and it's kind of frustrating at this point so mm -hmm. uh yeah. anyway i think actually we did get a taste of this is jumping ahead to the end of the list, but cons of Tarakir. We, we got a taste of the good old days, and a lot of people didn't like it. So it's interesting. I agree. And it's funny because going into this, everybody was like, oh, yes, we're getting cons. It's one of the, if not the best limited format ever. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing like queue times are two plus minutes. Nobody's <laughs> playing the format. And I think it's because of best of one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, and, the set and, was not designed with best of one in mind. And I think that's exactly. the first indicator we've gotten that set design has changed to a, account for best of one mm -hmm. or even just non pod like even best of three right. but 
outside of pod. That's I, fair. I, yeah, I'm, I guess that's more accurate. The non-pod is yeah. really the the bigger problem there. I am totally able to see how Kanz of Tarakir was an awesome pod draft format because then some of these things would self-correct. You might have one person with like a a pretty assertive black white warriors deck and then someone playing like a five color soup deck and i could see how those two would have a really great matchup and then there's like a like someone playing jess guy and then there's someone else playing jess guy on the other side of the table i could see how that'd be a great environment for this but on ladder and and even in best of three when when you're outside a pod i'm not gonna pretend to understand all the intricacies of statistically how this is a different layout Mm -hmm. but it certainly feels different. And I think the player mm-hmm. base has responded by just not drafting it as much. Like you said, there's other stuff to be doing, right? I mean, some people are still jamming a lot of LCI. I actually need to get back into LCI because there's an open coming up at the end of this month. And uh, it's been a little bit since I cashed one of those. I think I'm running out of equity on uh, claiming that I've cashed an open. <laughs> I think I might need to re-up that. That equity ran out close. like nine months ago, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I gem cashed some opens. I don't know if that counts or anything, but uh, haven't haven't gotten that cold hard cash in a while so uh plus we have time lci has been out for a while and people are kind of off it so this might be the one to jam yeah i it's interesting um i I, it's almost this conversation is almost sparking like i wonder if there's room for a different type of drafting and we've talked about this sometime maybe in the last year it might have been even the prior year but like a different approach to how limited is played and designed Mm -hmm. to account for non-pod i don't know what that would look like and this is literally coming off the top of my head we didn't even have something like this in the show notes i'm just thinking now that like i wonder if there's room for that instead of like a best of one best of three q you have like tradition i don't even want to use the word traditional because that's how they call best of three but like legacy draft versus like contemporary draft and one is in pod with one would be in pod and one would not be and i think they went non-pod like out of pod for ease of use because like think about trying to use a digital client if you have to sit around and wait for like people to like the the beauty of non-pod is that i can play a game i can go walk the dog i can come back and play another game i can Mm -hmm. take care of the kids come back walk like uh walk the dog play again game. yeah <laughs> play a game you know what i mean like you, you can spread it out take your it can mulligan take, you can walk the dog again <laughs> you can you can spread your draft out over multiple days if you want to whereas if you're drafting in pod you can't do that but yeah i don't know it does change the way that that the game is played in the way that sets are designed clearly and um you know we've made mention in a lot of the last sets over probably the last two or three years that like aggro decks tend to be where we see the like higher numbers coming in or the best performers tend to be more aggressive low to the ground decks not always mm-hmm. but they tend to be and i don't know it's interesting it's just an interesting kind of uh switch to see flipped yeah i will say that on magic online they do have in pot events especially these like 64 player draft queues which these are mm-hmm. awesome for those listening that haven't heard of these 64 players will sign up for an event. It only fires if 64 people join. Usually, you know, you'll get one or two firing a night, from what I can see. Sometimes more, uh, but, you know, if one fires, then it might be like an hour or two before the others. There's a lot of time slots on there. Usually a couple will fire per day. And 64 people go in, 
it's single limb. So you lose a match, you're out. You can just go do whatever. Uh, but if you stay in, you just keep going. And it's a full matchmaking system. Uh, you cut the top eight and then get to redraft for top eight. And then you play in pod for top eight as well. And yeah. one winner takes home a bunch of prizes. And if that was ever on Arena, I think it would be hugely popular. I would absolutely do it. Maybe even if it only had like a, a super limited sign up time. The way they do it on Moto is that they have like 50 events go up and they know that only five of them are going to fire. But they just have them at like hour, half hour in increments. Uh, and whichever one fires, it fires. And if it doesn't fire, but you signed up, you just get a refund. And it would take a lot, obviously a lot of coding to, to make this work. Uh, the, there's nothing on Arena quite like this now. Yeah, and also kind of just but. begs the question, though, like, why did they ever make Arena in the first place? Why not just revamp MTGO and add stuff to, you know, that's not really super relevant because we have Arena, so whatever. But uh, yeah. it, it, it lends to seeing them as competing products, which is a little bit frustrating as well. But mm -hmm. I don't see something like that coming to Arena anytime soon. It'd be cool, though. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, you didn't happen to get any. Oh, uh, I guess we should rate Wilds. Uh, six, Four. five. I, I almost yeah. don't even care. <laughs> it, it, it's forgettable uh, in that it was unexciting, but not so bad that it was angering, like one. Uh, well, just, yeah, but we also didn't even mention the fact that the entire bonus sheet was just unplayable and limited oh, outside of maybe God. three or four yeah, cards. Yeah, I forgot about that. And uh, all the uwu arts ones, too. <laughs> yeah. Look, they know their markets. Uh, some of those, if I had cracked them, I would have been pretty psyched to sell it for a billion dollars. But um, yeah, I guess there were some good reprints in there, stuff like Parallel Lives. Oh, and, definitely some great reprints. They just weren't for limited. All right, that's a point for it. I guess I'll give it a five. I know it was between five and a six, but then I was between a four and a five. So I'm just going to go solid five on, on Wilds. You didn't happen to get sure. any of the Doctor Who Commander decks, did you? Nope, never even really looked at them. And occasionally I'll stumble on a card that was there and I was like, is this one of those like Robo Rosewater? Oh, no, this was Doctor Who. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't really keep up with this. This was near the start of the school year. Things were in full swing. Uh, I mean just so many cards were released for this and they were all released in the commander set except some were also released in supplemental packs but i don't think there were any of those packs that weren't also in the commander sets but there were different arts that were in there i don't know there, there were so many reprints with new art and new cards with other art and i don't know i i do enjoy doctor who i i had a bit of a phase in high school we'll say <laughs> and uh there's some great stuff in doctor who not a diehard fan or anything. Uh, I did actually see someone playing one of these at a local game store, and it looked like a lot of fun. It was fresh out of the box. They were doing a bunch of stuff with time counters and like manipulating time counters, and it it was very Doctor Who. It was very on brand. Rose Tyler was involved. Uh, that was cool. Uh, I don't know. I, I could see myself building one of these someday if I ever got back into Doctor Who, but. Uh, this format, uh, this set release seemed to make a lot of people happy. Glad that it was isolated to Commander. Uh, hopefully they learned from this and they're, they're going to do something similar with the release of uh, the Fallout ones, I guess. Yeah, uh, seems like it'll be a similar approach, yep. I guess there was a Lord of the Rings holiday release. <laughs> that counts as an official apparently, release. Yeah, apparently that happened. Ben and I kind of stumbled on it like accidentally and we were like, wait, what? Yeah, I, I was at the game store. Remember, we were like, what is, what yeah. is that? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, I don't really know what hmm. they did differently with it. To be honest with you, I still haven't looked into it. Uh, I think there were new cards, though. It was not just like a reprint of the set three months later. Like they, they did put new cards in it, as far as I'm aware. Just goes to show if it's non-draftable, I don't really care. <laughs> if it's non-draftable, it's non-buyable. Yeah. <laughs> Next. LCI came out just recently in November. Uh, feels like this one's been out for ages already. This one became a bit of a solved format. People are starting to push the edges again, figuring out how the decks are supposed to work. This one had some hits and misses. The Jeskai artifact stuff, the beatdown decks, the hyper aggro decks, these ones are a bit of the... A bit of a terror of the format. Uh, you can do the go big graveyard stuff too. Uh, some pretty cool reanimator stuff. But a lot of the best stuff to be doing, I find, is at higher rarity. Uh, bringing up the last gift, for example. If you pack one, pick one, or bring the last gift, you can make a really cool graveyard reanimator deck or like um, the Chupacabra Echo, right? You can make some really cool reanimator decks. Uh, and you can get Echoes of Dusk to gain back the life against the beatdown decks. And yeah, that's all well and good. But there's still only like three or four playable decks. Like sometimes, even if you're the Dinos drafter, your Dinos deck isn't as good as the red white beatdown deck, or it's not as good as the occasional, I don't know, black reanimator deck. And what I found really tilting is that the caves deck is either way too bad or really, really good. <laughs> it, uh, there's no in between. No, I, I've gotten flattened by a really good version of the Caves deck exactly once. And every the time I've seen it, it's looked unplayable. And I don't think that's a very good place for your, <laughs> your sort of build around fun deck of the format to be, which there are some Caves rares. Uh, and that's never good when you open like a rare colorless cave and you're like, all right. <laughs> I'm looking cool. at you like a synth lattice. Oh, yeah, yeah, like that type of stuff. There, there's been a lot of that type of stuff this year. Between that, it has flavors of, of all we won, right? Man, mm -hmm. oh, remember at the, the GP Philly just opening those? Oh, never mind. Never mind. It's Microsoft Lattice. It's Microsoft Lattice. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm still going to play a little bit more ca Caverns of, of Ixalan. Not, no more caves. I'm done with that. Uh, we're, we're going Jeskai all the way here. Um, and I will be playing it in the open when it comes around towards the end of the month. So uh, time to get back into the format, see how it's evolved. I have faith that this one still has some has some play to it. There's some really fun interactions, some fun cards. I like it more than Wilds, but not by much. I think if Wilds is a, what did I say, a five? I changed my mind. Wilds is a four. Uh, this is a six. <laughs> yeah, and then that kind of segues into Cons of Tarkir, which we were expecting to be a nine or a ten, and doesn't seem to be without pods. Um, it's still good. It's still like a it seven in my book. I, yeah. I still had some fun drafting it. Uh, I actually had some fun in the arena open. <laughs> I realized that I did actually miss lethal, which would have made me day two with one of my decks in hindsight. And nice. I hesitate to tell you the card that I missed lethal with because it was Jeskai Ascendancy. I kind of forgot that it untaps your creatures, oh, which man. caused me to make basically I. <laughs> I also kind of forgot that it gives all your creatures plus one plus one, uh, which I know does actually <laughs> summarize basically all the text on the card. Uh, yep. Yeah, At least that um, first half. Yeah. Basically, I missed lethal because I didn't understand what Jeskai Ascendancy did. Uh, so that was cool. <laughs> that would have that day two'd me. Um, and I later found out that it was actually 
well, my opponent was recording and the video is on YouTube and it has around a thousand views. Nice. And someone sent me a screenshot. It's like, oh, check this out. And uh, I, I don't actually, I, I want to go back and watch it because I know there were some sick games in there. Like games one and two were really good. But then I do distinctly recall in game three losing against this, again, very good player, a content creator who we've known for a while, uh, Nikolai Bolas. Uh, ah. Yeah. I, I did miss Lethal against the Glybolus, and I'm not going to live that one down for a while. So <laughs> nice. I'll go back and watch that video, but it, it shames me to this day. Uh, that being said, after that, you know, cons is still great format. I haven't gotten to draft a Siege Rhino yet, which is a bit sad. I, th- I think I'll probably draft it a couple more times in hopes that I can. But uh, I don't know. Vintage Cube is out. <laughs> There's stuff to be doing yeah. that isn't this, you know? been testing some standards some stuff you know there's, there's other things to be doing besides playing a fine format yeah um and yeah we've had a lot of them this this year so this was a slightly longer crack of draft type thing than usual uh what's your pick pack yeah one, i think pick one format here i think if i had to pick like i was just gonna play this format forever um Probably would have just been March the Machine. Yeah. I think we're on the same page there. Yep. March the Machine, but I will say Lord of the Rings is a pretty close follow-up. I, I, I was a big fan of that one, too. So I guess that was our main topic. That was technically not... All right, let's just get into our, our real main topic. Uh, no, that was the main topic. But this is a little supplemental main topic. Draft Chef has had a pretty big year. We relaunched... We have all new assets, all new art. The Patreon has been totally revamped. And again, we're super thankful to all the patrons and uh, those who have been stuck with us and supported us uh, this whole time through that transition phase. It means more than we could ever really share. You're all the best. uh, And I hope to meet every single one of you in person and give you a big old hug. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, we, we do this uh, because of you all, and and uh, you've made this experience great. And you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, we we got a podcast. You know, it's like we're podcasters, uh, we're content creators with capital C's, and that still feels a little wild to say. But uh, then I, I look back and think about everyone that's that supported us, and to think of this as cringe in any way would really be a disservice to to all the cool people that have helped us along the way and supported us uh and and had fun with us i mean we've done drafts with listeners in real life we've met people at uh at cons and stuff and we're not planning on stopping any of that so uh i guess ultimately thank you for for a great 2023 uh we've been posting more <laughs> dusting off my uh my, my meme skills on on twitter if you're not following us on twitter make sure you do discord is totally revamped that one looks great who did that uh i don't remember uh <laughs> we launched bounty boards i don't remember whose idea that was either do i, I can't see yeah oh no i'm taking credit for that that one is definitely <laughs> me yeah uh for the record the discord and revamp and bounty boards have been all zach plus the the trophy uh leaderboards those are still working really well yep i don't understand how bots work remember that time i greeted the bot <laughs> in <Discord? Yep. laughs> yeah i don't really understand that uh it, it feels as though this year we've done a lot of professionalization some stuff that that really it feels like we've greased the wheels everything's kind of kind of spinning full tilt 
I'm using a lot of mixed metaphors here. It's getting kind of yeah. late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've launched the uh, Draft Chaff Hero stickers. Very excited for the Itzkints to go out. Um, everyone who's going to be getting one of those, uh, our patrons, you know, those are still coming. And it's not too late. If you wanted to bump up to the, uh, the Draft Chaff Hero sticker tier, uh, you're more than welcome to, and you can get your own cute little Itzkint sticker coming in the mail. Uh, honestly, this has just been a, a year of growth. I mean, we, we talked about this during our Spotify wraps. But we had a 26% growth in listeners. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's apparently what Spotify says. I'm still not sure that the numbers actually support that, but that's what they're telling <laughs> us, so we can run with it. I, I think it is because I was actually looking back at a I, I was actually looking back at our episode from last year, our magic 2022 in hindsight. And uh, we were proud to have 190 listeners per week we've eclipsed that by a good amount we have yes that's true uh and i, I think we're well over what twenty thousand plays at this point maybe oh we're near nearly thirty thousand. yeah wow that's ridiculous uh <laughs> uh plus 54 percent increase in followers at least on spotify i don't know about other platforms that might be a bit of a small sample size uh and Honestly, just the interactions that we've had. Our Discord is always the most fun place to be. Uh, it's fun. I'll, I'll have like a, a brutal day at school. I'll come home and I'll see I've got like a trillion notifications. And part of me is like, man, I can't, I can't think about this right now. I have so much to do. But another part of me is fully excited. Like, oh my god, these are people that love interacting about magic and limited and with us and with the community and. I do think we have the coolest limited community on the internet. I'm in some of the other limited, you know, servers. It's a little, I don't know. It's it's a little dry in some of those places. You know, people are very critical in some of the the spikier ones, or things are a bit harsh. With us, it's relaxed. We're, we're getting trophies, posting bounties, posting random memes in the <laughs> in the appropriate channels. Uh, it's a great time, and and uh, I couldn't be prouder of of what we've managed to put together here. Well, now that Ben's gotten all sappy on us, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I echo everything Ben said. I think it's been great. We had a fun year, and um, yeah, very very curious to see what lies ahead. Speaking of what lies ahead, there's some cool stuff on the horizon. First of all, some draft shaft stuff coming up. We've hinted at something coming up this summer. That's all we're going to say about that. Uh, more cubing, more draft chef. It's all coming. More of the same nonsense you can expect and, and hopefully continuing to grow our channel in, in some great ways. I think 2024 is the year of the editor because <laughs> I, I know you put an awful lot of time into editing and that takes away time from actual gameplay, right? Uh, I, I think this sure. is the year, you know, th th this is the year we're going to we're going to offload that and get you some free time. <laughs> Well, I'm all for it. We'll see if that happens or not. But yeah, uh, some other things we're looking forward to magic wise in 2024. Timeless was a bit of a late entry in 2023. Kind of just started picking up. Uh, it was just released, but I'm really liking the format. It has the same vibes as Legacy, where things are very cheap. A lot of one mana spells, 
not any really free spells, but one mana, it's definitely like a turn three, turn four format, uh, which is much, much faster than anything we've seen on Arena before. Maybe outside of Historic sometimes, or Alchemy sometimes when they print something broken by accident. So seeing things like Natural Order, uh, Demonic Tutor, Oko, uh, Uro, these classic busted cards, uh, getting a pretty cool home and a pretty cool format developing around them. Even seeing ports of things like uh, Amulet Titan coming in with, uh, thanks to Spelunking, um, as we talked about a bit in the pre-show, uh, a Jeskai Ascendancy combo deck that, that's going around now. Timeless mm-hmm. has some legs to it. Uh, hoping that there's some, some tournaments or like a qualifier weekend with Timeless, because uh, that'd be a lot of fun. The revamping standard, too, for the next, uh, I guess, RCQ season. There's some, some pretty yeah. good standard decks right now. Yeah, and they even like postponed the the rotation as well like they're mm. really trying to push forward the changes they're making yeah uh good to see that as a reasonable entry point for people into competitive uh constructed magic standard has historically always been an easier one for limited players to enter just because you probably drafted a bunch of the cards anyway if you've been drafting the most recent set or have drafted a bunch of you know good cards and limited that are now good cards and standards, so you can sell them and get the pieces that you need. Uh, I'm hoping to to break into standard for the RCQ season. Still debating what I'm actually going to play. Uh, yeah, I mean standard decks are still like 500 bucks, so not exactly the easiest area of yeah. entry, but that's like that's standard like environments where they were more expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah, I mean, I'm talking red. like top tier decks. Yeah, tier one mono red is like 100 bucks. So honestly, I might oh, just pick up that and call it a day. Plus that uh that that monastery mentor deck going around that's like a hundred bucks that's pretty cool yeah but it's not good anyway <laughs> <laughs> did you just say a monastery mentor deck is not good yes I scandalous did. um and maybe the biggest thing that we're looking forward to in twenty twenty four play boosters a, a yeah. new type of drafting is imminent it's coming out with murders at, at Karlov Manor. Uh, which is the the first thing we get besides um, Ravnica remaster, but that's a remaster set, so whatever. Uh, play boosters are hitting. Uh, it's yeah. gonna be hitting arena and paper. I'm excited for it. I, I'm actually fully in. I'm fully committed. I have uh, no issues with it at this point at all. And I think they actually did kind of hit a happy medium. There was some scary talk around it, saying things like we don't want drafting to disappear. So this was the compromise. Uh, don't love <laughs> that notion, but um, it seems like this is going to end up working out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I also kind of wish they took this as an opportunity to do more of the aftermath style of thing. Like, I kind of wish we had smaller sets mm. that uh, were draftable, but like we were getting fewer cards a year. Maybe if we were, if they want to give us more sets, like just give us fewer cards. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, play boosters are going to be interesting. It'll be nice to not have to figure out, wait, is this a set booster? Is this a draft booster? How do we figure that out? And the different supply issues that that came as a result of that as well. So we'll see how it goes. What uh, what set are you looking forward to most this year? Definitely Outlaws of Thunder Junction. I have been waiting for the um, the the like Western set, the Wild West kind of set for a long time. Mm hmm. Very curious what the magic esque approach is going to be to it. Like they've done really good jobs in the past with like Theros and Greek mythology, for example, and yeah, obviously like the Eldritch Horror stuff with Innistrad, and they've they've just done some really good adaptations of these common kind of tropes. 
and uh, I'm excited to see what they do with this one. I think it could be really good. Somehow I'm also hesitant about it, though. Like, I, I feel like it's going to be a little too campy, but we'll see. Um, otherwise, Bloomborough looks really fun. Uh, that, that set, I think, is going to be cute in, like, a fun, not cringe kind of way, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, Bloomborough is actually my top favorite uh, of this upcoming year. I hope there's like a bunnies deck and I hope it's like tier one. <laughs> that, that, that'd be pretty cool. Squirrels all the way. Or actually otters. I want more otters. All right. On to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Nathan, who asks, which intro songs for magic or non-magic podcasts are your favorites? Ooh, uh, gotta say the LR one. I've been listening to it for so long. It's one of my favorites just because it's sort of like a almost like a comfort listen. It's like, oh, yeah, another episode of LR is starting. Uh, gotta say, we've had some pretty banger <laughs> podcast intro songs uh, written by us. Uh, pretty happy with how the new one came out, especially. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I will say, I think. I don't know if this counts, but. The podcast Welcome to Night Vale. Are you familiar? Nope. It's been around for ages. Uh, I haven't heard all of it all the way through, but it's, it's sort of... I'm not, I'm not even really sure how to describe it. If someone could describe it in Discord for me, l- let me know. I have no idea how to describe this podcast. It's sort of like, a, like an alternate reality, small town news radio show, but weird stuff happens in the town and you just kind of go along with it. I don't know. Every time... Uh, they'd have like a weather report, but instead of the weather report, they would play like a song from like a local jam band or something. And that was always pretty cool to hear. It'd be like a way to find cool, small musicians. Um, I don't know how they got those songs, but so not technically an intro song, but I guess that's my favorite use of music in a podcast. There was no weather. They would just play the band instead. (laughs) Interesting. I guess for me, um, yeah, LR is a cozy one. It's actually interesting because I went back for Khan's releasing. I went back and listened to some of the LR Khan's episodes and they had a different intro. I always thought that the intro that we've gotten used to is, was the intro they always had. I had no idea there was hmm. a different one. Um, or at least if I had known, I forgot about it. It's been a while. Um, yeah, I mean, the show's been on for what? They're like almost 800 episodes now. Crazy. What is that? Hold on. 800. Divided by, let's go 54-ish. That's about 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I will say, though, uh, one, of, one podcast I listened to, I mentioned in last week's episode that I listened to a lot of like business and or finance podcasts. And one that I listened to is called Money with Katie. And the intro for that is very cool. It's, like, it's got very like coffee shop vibes, which I'm, I'm into. And, but also kind of more upscale than that if that makes sense i don't upscale coffee shop yeah i don't i don't really know how to place it but it's kind of jazzy and it's it's fun um so that's the one that stands out to me as probably my favorite all right on to to fairy tibble this is our roses and thorns style segment where ben and i share high and a low for the past week ben what's going on (sighs) my winter break has ended as of recording, I am going back to work tomorrow, and it's going to be a tough week because midterms are coming up, so it's jam time for students. And also, I coach the Science Olympiad team, and it's our competition week. So mm. they're going to be cramming every day after school, 
And then Friday, I'm going to be spending all day at a competition. And uh, that means I have to do sub plans and prep my students and make the right slides and upload them to the classroom, make sure they upload at the right time, make sure the answer keys are available, make sure the slides are shared properly. Taking a day off from school is, is always more work than actually being there and teaching. Plus, then I have to actually go and do all this stuff on Friday. So it's going to be a rough week back. Uh, but my one solace is that it's going to be harder for the students. I am always somehow able to buck up and, and come in with a smile. Uh, and I know they will not. They will be so mad <laughs> that they are back in school. So uh, hopefully I can leverage that. Winter break was great, though, my Teferi this week. I had a really relaxing time. Uh, New Year's was, was pretty fun. I guess back on the Tybalt side, I was supposed to go to this New Year's Eve party um, in Jersey City. It was going to be so it was going to be great. I so many of my friends on the guest list I hadn't seen in ages. It was going to be a banger. And then one of the hosts got COVID and the whole thing got canceled. So I was like, all right, I guess there was like, I don't know, I, I'll see him eventually. But uh, it was going to be a great time to catch up. So that was a bit of a bummer. Back on the Teferi side of things, I ended up just staying in. We went to All You Can Eat Hot Pot instead. So that was a, nice. a surprising, pretty great time. Uh, then we fell asleep on the couch before midnight watching the Scott Pilgrim <laughs> remake. So that was pretty cool. There's a Scott Pilgrim remake? Yeah, yeah. It's like an animated one on Netflix. It, it's really fun. Oh. Uh, I recommend it. You? Yeah, so for me... um my Teferi, I'm going away. I'm finally, I'm going on a vacation, which is great. I haven't been on vacation since September, I guess, which is not like terribly far away, but I try to do like one trip a quarter and not always like long trips, maybe just like a weekend thing somewhere close, but um, I'm going to Canada for a week and that's going to be great seeing Montreal, seeing Quebec City and some other areas in between. So uh, very excited for that and I have like my first big block of time off pretty much ever um, between jobs actually so uh, normally when I switch jobs I'll like uh, just you know stop work on a Friday take the weekend and then start work at the next place on Monday I'm taking two weeks off here so that'll be nice just kind of time to reset unwind and uh, get myself ready for the new the new position so that'll be great Tybalt, uh, I've been pretty tired. I mean, New Year's Eve was last night and that was a late night. So that uh, isn't helping in that area, but just trying to get things organized. I moved recently. And so just, you know, all these different things and then the career change, all that kind of stuff is all happening at once. So it's a lot, which is uh, definitely tiring me out, but uh, overall times. feeling pretty good. Yeah, definitely. You did have COVID too. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> I did have COVID, but that honestly, that was really just like more of a, uh, like a, a mild cold than anything like i really didn't get all the other covid symptoms that i heard yeah. a lot of people get so uh, when you're in montreal i highly recommend getting real poutine which i'm sure you will yes we will be doing uh, that yep i also highly recommend then later that same day getting mcdonald's poutine which they kind of have you just get mcdonald's Mm -hmm. stuff and i think you might have to combine it yourself i i forget you can get a functional mcpoutine no they have it on their they have it on their menu i think oh then make sure you get it's that. one of the regional uh, items i believe it is so funny all right well that about does it for us this week thank you so much for listening definitely jump in the discord if you haven't already again the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our twitter page 
And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chat pod. Go get yourself those It's Kid stickers before we get a new draft chat hero because once they're gone, they're gone. Uh, outside of that, you can find us on Twitter at draft chat pod. And uh, thanks, folks. I hope you had a great 2023. We'll catch you. I mean, this is coming out in 2024, but we'll have an even better 2024 coming our way. Looking forward to it. Catch you next week. You know, there is another tradition that we skipped. Last week, I think we were just losing it. Uh, I was home for the holidays. It was a busy time. But uh, I hope the listeners didn't think they'd get away from a year's end without a serenade. <laughs> Nobody asked for it this year. Last, the last like couple of years, we were asked for it explicitly. Well, uh, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And uh, last year, I, I believe I, I roped you in on it. I, I won't subject you to the same thing this year. But uh, uh, there, there was one that came to mind. Intense be forgot and never brought to mind. Should old acquaintance be forgot and the days of old Lang Syne. For old Lang Syne, my dear, for old Lang Syne, we'll drink a cup. Of kindness yet for the sake of old Lang Syne. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>